I'm now joined with Sinn Féin TD Louise O'Reilly to discuss how the cost of rent in North Dublin is at a crisis point. Good afternoon, Louise. Thank you very much for joining us. Good afternoon, Johnny, and thanks a million for asking me. You're very welcome. First of all, Louise, the number of homes available to rent in Dublin has fallen by 81% compared to early of last year. Tell us more about this and your views on it. Well, one of the things actually that has struck me is while the number of houses and, and homes and apartments, etc., available to, to rent on a long-term basis has massively decreased, the numbers available on short-term letting platforms like Airbnb has actually massively increased. So if you look at, just as an example, and this is a figure from last week, but if you look on Airbnb, there's 165 places to rent in Balbriggan uh, short-term. But if you go to Daft, there's only three long-term rentals. Likewise, in Swords, there's over a 1,000 hits for Airbnb, but there's only 11 rentals if you go to Daft. In Malahide, it's the same. There's over a 1,000 hits for Airbnb, but if you uh, go to Daft, there's only 12 uh, properties actually available to rent. So I'm not sure that there's a, a fall in the number of available properties. There's a fall in the number of available properties to rent long term. And that's what families need. So it's really putting the squeeze on uh, on families, on single people, on, on older persons. And it's something that I have actually noticed in my advice clinics that's, that's really starting to shock me are the number of older people. So people who be coming to maybe the end of their working career, or maybe people who have separated from their spouse and have moved out of the family home and they're looking for somewhere to rent or they have somewhere to rent, but they've been given a, a notice to quit. That's gone up through the roof. And it's something that we, we never really thought we'd see you, you tend to associate being older with being more secure and, and that's a, a, an added dimension to it and of course there's the pressure on families there's the pressure on on, on young people as well and we already know there's going to be uh, another accommodation crisis once the, the students come back because remember now the students finished up you know third level students finished up in Dublin at the end of May they're going to be back at the end of August, beginning of September, looking for accommodation. And, you know, if, they're, if you're looking on the basis of what's available at the moment, they're now going to be competing with families and, and with, with older people. And that's, I mean, it's just going to push the demand up through the roof. I mean, it, it's, it's reaching very much a crisis point at the moment. And you mentioned some figures there, but roughly right across Dublin, how many homes are currently available? I, I believe the figure is very small. It is, and it fluctuates on a daily basis. But I mean, it, it'd give you an idea, like the, say a town like Balbriggan with uh, a population of, of just under 40,000 people, there are three properties to let on Daft. And that's kind of the same no matter where you go in Dublin. And, you know, it, it's that kind of level. It's very, very, it's very low. Um, it does change on a, on a daily basis, but it's it's absolutely tiny. And I mean, it's very, very worrying, but particularly for, for those of us who hold advice clinics and, and who are available to our constituents. And we're seeing it every day of the week, you know, and people are just desperate. They're getting a notice to quit and they're coming into us and they're saying, well, what can I do and where can I go? And of course, we're saying to them, register with the agencies, make sure that you, uh, you know, make sure that you check daft all the time. But they're coming up short and they're really, really people are starting to panic now, you know, because they know if they leave their their accommodation now that there's not going to be anywhere for them to go to. It's, it's a real worry, Johnny. It's a real, real worry. 
And those figures may be slightly higher as it only relates to daft reports. Although, having said that, most properties are advertised on daft anyway. Yeah. Would you, yeah, would you go along it, with that? Yeah. yeah, it is. It's the main platform for, for advertising properties and, and it's the play, it's the go-to place for most people. You know, and like, people will occasionally get a property to rent by word of mouth or, you know, you often see if you're on your, your local residence association Facebook page or whatever, you'll often see requests going in from people who say, look, I'm looking for a two bed or a three bed in this area or whatever to rent. But I mean, for the most part, Daft is the place to go and the figures don't lie. You know, there's 12 properties in Malahide, 11 in Swords and three in Balbriggan. And I mean, that's that's just a snapshot and that's replicated across the, the, the rest of the city and the county. And it's very, very, uh, it's very pressing. And, you know, I, I think I, I genuinely feel for, for those families. I, I know I rented myself for, for years and years. And when you're moving around a lot, like I, I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, by the time my daughter was five, she'd had six different addresses. You know, that's not that's no way for a family to live. But at least we had somewhere to go to. You know, when we were leaving one property, we were leaving to go to, to another, we were leaving one rental, we were leaving to go to another rental. People are being forced to leave their rental properties now and they don't know where they're going and they're going to the council and, you know, the, the, all the, they can offer them. And, you know, I mean, this is not their fault, but all they can offer them in many instances is a hostel bed for, um, you know, for a single person or indeed a, a hostel place for a family or a place in a family hub if they're lucky or a bed and breakfast or a hotel. And I mean, that's that's no way for, for kids to be brought up. It's no way for families to, to live and that's no way to, to settle down. You know, it's very disturbing for kids to be moved around from Billy to Jack like that all of the time. You know, it's it's a real it's a real basic, Johnny, you know, just to have a house, to get to have that security, to have a home that, you know, you can close the door at night, you can put your feet up, you can have your cup of tea and that's yours. And you know where you're going to be sleeping the next night and next year and the year after. I think it's not knowing in that way. It, it, it must be terrifying for the families, you know, that kind of you're in a hotel one night, but you might be. I was talking to people and they live in Balbriggan, but they were in a hotel over in Talla and then they were moved out of that hotel into town. Like it's very hard to keep your kids in school when you're getting moved around in that way. And, you know, I, I just I I worry about the long term effects that this is going to have on children because this is no way for kids to be brought up. And it's not the parents fault because God knows I meet the parents. They're trying their best. But this is no way for no way for a country to treat kids. Okay, and what are your views on how the availability of homes for renting could be addressed? Well, we can build social and affordable homes. You know, the the government can set themselves some proper targets and they can actually start giving money to local authorities to start to to build. The other thing that local authorities could do, and I know that the rules were slightly relaxed recently, you know, but local authorities can buy the houses where people are. So if you're unhappy and you're uh, you're living in a rented house and you get a notice to quit, Like the local authority could buy that house if your landlord is selling it. You know, you're just adding to the homeless list. You know, like you're you're unhappy and then you're you're already on the waiting list for for a a permanent forever home. And then you get your notice to quit. Like there's a lot that the government could be doing, you know. And I mean, this is before we even get on to the the price of it. But actually to make more more homes available, they could be ensuring that when landlords sell up that local authority, they're buying those houses and that they're putting them back into the 
the rental market. They could ensure that they give money directly to local authorities to build social and affordable housing. Like we can't be relying on the private sector and big developers. All they want to do is deliver profits. It's the job of the council and the job of the government to deliver homes for our people. And, and that's not happening at the moment. So, I mean, there's a lot that the government could do, but they could start by just giving the, uh, the local authorities the finances to be able to, uh, the finances to be able to, to build social and affordable homes for ordinary people to live in. Okay. According to the latest rental report from daft.ie, renters had been forced with average rent increases of just over 14% in the first three months of this year compared to the same time last year. How can this be? Because, you know, isn't there a legal cap of 4% per year for landlords to apply a rent increase? Well, you'd think, but like with rents going up by nearly 15%, the, the evidence suggests not. So there's a number of loopholes in that 4%, you know, like if there's substantial renovations done to the property or whatever like that. But the simple fact is, and, and we see it every day of the week, rents, the cost of rents are spiralling out of control because uh, you know, there's not enough supply and because people can afford to put up the rent. The solution of the government was to, to raise the amount of HAP that was available, that's just feeding this problem. What they actually need to do and, and what Sinn Féin have called on them to do is um, ensure that they freeze rents and that they put a month's rent back into renters' pockets through a refundable tax credit. And that could be easily done. The government could do this in the morning. And at the very least, that would alleviate the pressure that's on uh, renters at the moment. But, I mean, if you think about it, like most people when they when they start off, and I'm, I'm talking about young families in particular now, but this affects everybody. Well, most young families, when they start off, if you're saving up for a house, you're paying your rent and you're saving for a house. But if you're paying two and a half grand in rent for just an ordinary, you know, modest enough uh, home, and you're paying two and a half grand a month, how in the name of God are you going to be able to afford to save for a deposit. And if you add into that, that you're also paying uh, some of the highest childcare fees in Europe. I mean, in Dublin, we're paying uh, nearly 250 quid a month on average. So if you add into that, the cost of childcare, the cost of rent, how in the name of God are, are young people supposed to be able to save up a deposit? You know, they just couldn't in this climate. And yet, they're spending loads and loads of money. And so, you know, you'd think that the bank would look at them and go, well, look, at you You can afford your rent. You must be able to afford a mortgage. But they'd never be able to afford a deposit. And I mean, we all well remember when Leo Varadkar was, uh, was Taoiseach in the last doll and, and he said, well, you know, a lot of people go and get, their, get a deposit off their mum and dad. Well, I don't know how many people listening have a mum and dad that have 20 or 40,000 quid lying around, but I would, I would guess that it's not too many. Um, you know, and quite apart from anything else, if you're a grown up, you don't want to be going to your mammy and daddy to get money off them. You know, if you're working, you want to be able to save. But paying rent two and a half grand and then adding in another possibly, you know, 1500 to 2000 quid for childcare. I don't know how young people are expected to manage on that, you know, and, and that shows in the, the figures and the, the average age of people staying at home is going up and up and up. And they're not staying at home because they love their mums and dads, although I'm sure they do love their mums and dads, Johnny. They're staying at home because they can't afford to move out. And yeah. so, that, that stops your growth. You know, like that's, that's no way to live. You, you, you know, that's no way for adults to be. What Sinn Féin are calling for is one to freeze the rents immediately, right? Just stop them spiralling out of control. Number one, that's how that's what's happening now. And then number two, using a refundable tax credit to get a month's rent back into into renters' pockets. So that at the very least would take the pressure off them. Just take your take the the, the foot off their neck, if you will, for the uh, initially. And then we need to ensure that we have 
affordable homes to rent and buy for uh, for families and that's the job of the local authorities so while that work is going on you need to just immediately lift the burden on renters give them back a month's rent through the refundable tax credit and freeze the rent so that at the very least they know that the rent is going to be uh, is going to be stabilized beyond doing that i mean the, the government need to be able to recognize that what they're doing is not working so whatever it is that the government have done to date it hasn't worked homelessness is up and increasing the numbers of people on uh, on waiting lists for homes is increasing the numbers of people getting notices to quit is increasing and all of this is contributing to a very unstable life for families for workers for young people for older people it's it's the instability of not having a permanent place to live it's so destabilizing and you know in the current market it's a developer's uh, playground really you know i mean they're they're making out like bandits uh, you know developers uh, real estate investment trusts all of those people like we effectively incentivized with our with our tax regime people to come in and and wholesale buy up uh, apartment blocks and and buy up housing estates and like and buy up individual houses i mean we've all heard the the stories of people who were in uh, what you call going in to buy a house and then they have a, an investor from a real estate investment trust or from one of them big companies an investment person behind them in the queue and they have endless pockets because they know they're going to get a fortune back in terms of rents now i think they should be taxed really heavily on the profits that they make off of those rents and i think that would encourage them to get out of this market because we, we don't need that kind of investment that kind of investment is really corrosive what we need are people long-term investors who will get a you know a modest yield off the investment but who will actually be in it for the long haul not coming in to kind of flip it and uh, and, and make a quick book which really you know they're making a quick book off the back of uh, off the back of hard-pressed working men and women you know and their families Louise, what's your view in relation to the current limits that apply under the HAP scheme? Do they need to be reviewed? Well, they have been reviewed recently and there were slight increases, although most of them didn't apply in Dublin. But I think that's kind of chasing the increases. You know, I mean, the government need to be doing as much as they can to cap the increases. But yes, at the moment, you know, you can see people on HAP are being priced out of the market because they have, uh, you know, the, 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 the rates just simply aren't keeping up. And I know more and more people who are willing to commit to paying bigger amounts of money even though they're on HAP and the, the difference is getting bigger and bigger and they're kind of saying to themselves well you know I can try and pay that I can try and pay that but like we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis as well Johnny you know people can't sustain very much more uh, in, in terms of what the, what their outgoings are you know so I do think there should be a revision but I also think we need to be looking at how to cap the prices, you know, and how to ensure that, you know, rather than try and bring HAP up to meet the rent, bring the rent down to meet the HAP, uh, to meet the HAP rates, yes, you know. Yes, I got you, I got you. By the way, Louise, what's the current position in relation to SHD developments? I mean, the process was to end in February of this year, and some developers have since managed to submit projects to onboard Planola. I know, and the, there were quite a few loopholes in this and also a very long lead-in time, and the government said that any kind of plans that were in train that they could go through. But I mean, every time we see those SHDs, every time there's a legal challenge to them, they are getting overturned in the High Court because they're, they're not good. You know, they, they bypass all the necessary planning uh, and, and development kind of procedures. And, you know, I, I understand the thinking behind them, you know, was to, to get stuff built quickly and, and all the rest of it. But there has to, they have to be appropriate homes for people to live in, be they apartments, uh, you know, uh, what you call a two, three, one, two, three, four bedroom houses, whatever it is, they have to be appropriate to the needs of the area. And and things like those big 
build to rent, uh, you know, those big build to rent buildings and all, they're not sustainable. They're not for families. They're not for the community. They're just for single people, you know, and, and, and we do need homes. Don't get me wrong. We do need homes and accommodation for single people, but we need to have a mix and we need to respond to what the community need is. And very often these SHGs, they get pushed through, you know, without the, the kind of scrutiny and without the proper consultation with the local community. And, you know, I mean, there's like, there's a lot to be to be said for talking to people locally, because in my experience, if you talk to people and you engage with them, you'll bring them along with you. You know, people want to see houses built. They want to see homes. They want to see accommodation. They want to see apartments built so that, uh, you know, their kids can have somewhere to live. And they want they want their kids to be able to live local. But unfortunately, the SHD process, it just bypasses the community, bypasses the council and, you know, there's a reason why people object to the SHDs and it's because there's no consultation and it's not in any way sensitive to the needs of the, the local community. OK, Louise, finally, we also have a refugee crisis. Thousands of Ukrainian refugees arriving into Ireland. In the long term, most of them will remain here indefinitely because they have nowhere, they have no homes to return to. What's your view on how this should be handled by government in addition to our existing housing crisis? Well, there's absolutely no doubt that we should play our part. You know, these people are fleeing a war. It's not their fault. They wouldn't be here if they were given a choice. They want to be back at home. And I've met many people who have come from the Ukraine and, and, you know, they're terrified. Their houses have been bombed to bits. They've walked for miles and, you know, tens and hundreds of miles in some cases. They've they've dragged their, their families with them, their older people with them. Very often it's women who have left their husbands and their partners and their, their brothers behind them to fight. This is a, a, an absolutely intolerable situation and, and of course we should be doing our fair share. But we need to, to hear from the government a little bit of imagination, uh, you know, and a little bit of speed and urgency on this. You know, we know that, that there were thousands of people who pledged accommodation through the Red Cross. But we know that out of those, just over a thousand of them have actually been followed up on. We know that there's a scheme to repurpose holiday homes to use them for people. So any vacant property, you know, property above the shop, all of that, that they could be repurposed and used uh, to house people. And yet we don't see any action from the government on it. They, they promised a €400 Euro a month payment to people who were, were taking refugees into their homes. But that still hasn't been processed. I haven't seen the legislation on that as yet and that's likely to be a very slow process so these people are here now and more of them are arriving the response needs to be swift and i think we also johnny need to look at how we treat people in direct provision you know we can't have two categories of refugees we can't say oh well these people come from the ukraine and so therefore they should be treated differently we need to have a minimum standards that apply to all people who come here, um, you know, to to, uh, to either seek asylum or come here through the uh, through the EU process that the Ukrainians are coming here through. And I think, you know, that is the most important thing. These people have no choice. They're not in Ireland because they want to be. They're in Ireland because they have they, they have to flee a war that is happening. And we only have to look across the water to Britain to see how brutally they're treating people who are fleeing war and violent situations. And you know, we need to ask ourselves. What sort of a country are we? You know, are we going to be welcome and are we going to be open? And if we are, well, then we need to put the, the processes in place and we need to ensure that we don't just say to refugees, we'll come to Ireland, but we actually say to them, come here and here we have a plan. I mean, the, the government seemed to be, you know, reeling from one uh, one announcement to another to another. And yet there doesn't seem to be very much delivery. I mean, like the, we, we were promised, uh, we've been promised that 6,000 homes 
will be uh, holiday homes will be vetted and and, um, and you know people coming into other people's homes and that, that the vetting will be done and that they'll be ready in the next couple of months. I wouldn't have very much confidence in that based on, on what they have done to date. But I do think we we have to be cognizant of the fact that millions of people in Ukraine have been displaced, not for their fault. It's Vladimir Putin's fault. He's, he's prosecuting an unjust war against those people and they've been forced out of their home. But we need to look at what we can do and do realistically and then act on it. So it's like the government are great on sound bites, but they're not so much great on the follow up and the delivery, you know, and I think we need to see a little bit of delivery as well as just the uh, as well as just the chat about it, you know, to say, oh, we're going to set another target and we will set another target and we will set another target. Can't stop setting targets and actually set achievable targets and do the work. Right, so we're going to leave it there for today. Thanks again, Louise, for joining us. All the very best to you. And it was Thanks, great Johnny. talking with you uh, and do take care. Thanks very much, Johnny, and thanks to your listeners. You're very welcome. Now, that was Sinn Féin TD Louise O'Reilly talking about how the cost of rent in North Dublin is at a crisis point.